0: You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump in and see what Jesus has to speak. So, Lord, we just create space right now with our attention God, with our listening ears, and we just say, God, come and speak to your church right now. We want to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to this church. Lord, equip us and part your nature into us and give us understanding. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom God, that you'd even come and bestow upon us your perspective, your thoughts, your ways, your knowledge, your understanding so that we can begin to live life like you, Jesus. So we thank you, God, that you are doing a beautiful work throughout our lives, throughout this community of forming and fashioning the image of Jesus. And we pray that tonight will be a catalytic experience on this journey, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, I'm gonna continue. Uh, I'm I'm back. I was gone uh, last week. You can tell by the color of my skin. I was in uh, I was in warmer waters, so <laughs> I'll let you figure out where that is. But uh, no, I was in Hawaii, and I actually like flew back. Like last night, this morning, so I'm kind of discombobulated, but I still know the Word of God in my spirit. My mind is weak, but my spirit is willing. So I'm gonna give you what I got tonight, Amen. Well, I, and I'm gonna continue. On two weeks ago, I talked about uh, sanctification and talked about three kind of three different relationships we have with the holiness of God. Sanctification's fancy word for being holy. Uh, becoming holy, being holy, and uh, it can get confusing because there's kind of different relationships and even verses that talk about our standing of purity and holiness before God. And I talked last week or two weeks ago about that we are positionally Sanctified, right? The old things are done away. We became a new creation in Christ Jesus, with an unshakable identity that sin and life and our things cannot touch or manipulate. We are simply we're, we're sanctified, right? Jesus became sin, who knew no sin, so that we could become. The righteousness of God, you know? I'm not going to say anything, young people, but it was older people that said that. So you must not be reading your Bible. So let's get those verses in our hearts, huh? Thank you, Penny and whoever else said that for being models of the faith. He made Jesus sin, so that we become the righteousness of God. And such we are: we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are positionally pure and sanctified before God. But another word to understand positional sanctification would be potential. It's potential. It's not necessarily realized. It's a seed within us, but it hasn't yet sprouted and grown and bore fruit, right? And so, uh, talked about on the journey, right? We want to. We're journeying to blameless with great joy before the glory of God's presence right that's the promise from jude that's that's what sanctification materializes as that is the manifestation of ultimate sanctification we look at god blameless with great joy in the presence of his holiness right and the way we get there is we go on a journey we 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 get saved we become sanctified but We still have a process to walk, right, and at some point in this process, there's a powerful moment, a point of sanctification, and I talked last week of how it's like when a wild horse breaks, there's a wildness that breaks, Right, and we looked at Isaiah's encounter when he was confronted with the holiness of God and uh, I read uh, an excerpt from Phineas Brzee's encounter who's the man who founded the Nazarene church when he encountered the holiness of God I shared some of my own, we looked at Paul who said he was crucified with Christ Jesus it wasn't him who lived, but now Christ who lived through him, All Right, so there's a moment a powerful moment, like when fire comes on wood, it changes the molecular structure of that wood and when the holy fire of God comes upon a human being, something fundamental fundamentally changes. It takes place in the will. The will breaks. It comes under submission. There's a point of sanctification, right? And we talked about that a lot. And then from there, that, that, that actually is, to, it, it cultivates a posture within our hearts that we then are to maintain the rest of our lives as we journey in progressive sanctification, right? Because this is not the end of the story. In a lot of ways, it's like a, a new beginning, of the story right and and this this moment it's a moment of grace so it's not it's not a, a an experience everybody's experience looks different and i actually think that you can come to this deep place of surrender without some extreme radical brokenness i think a lot of times it takes that because that's more of a commentary on us than it is on god but you know he wants to get us to this point where the 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 the, the that something breaks and there's this posture. As grace, as the holiness of God manifests us through grace, that grace changes us and there's a posture that's created. And that posture begins to give us an awareness to the things of God and the movement of God in our life so that we can continue in a yieldedness more and more and more completely until we can stand before his presence blameless with great joy. All right, are you following me? So I want to talk about this posture that gets cultivated because it's, it's, a, it's a mindset and it's a perspective where you begin to see life the way that God sees life. Right? Ephesians says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right? And it says that Jesus was raised up above all power, all names, every dominion, everything that's going to come, this age, the age to come. He, he's far above it all. Right? He's defeated death. He is the crucified, resurrected King of Glory. He's undefeated. He is victorious. He is unflappable. Right? He's seated on the throne. Chilling. It's all good. Don't worry about a thing, right? He's just chilling up there. Like he won. Okay, this is important because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So why when pain, disturbance, conflict, anxieties of life start coming, we start acting like chickens with our head cut off? right? That's because we're seeing life from earthly perspective. We're not viewing it from heavenly perspective because in heaven we are seated with Christ. Seated on the throne of eternity, far above every name that will ever be named. Every opposition, every knee will bow to Jesus who is sitting down. <laughs> Right? Sitting down. He's not like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? He's just seating, sitting, sitting, seating. I was seating on a plane a long time, you can tell, okay? (laughs) We're seated with Christ, heavenly places, okay? So in this journey of progressive sanctification, God's actually, there's a paradigm, and I actually believe there's a whole mindset that is birthed out of this, this surrendering of our will where we begin to behold life in a way that we can walk and engage highly aware of the purposes of God. Right? It's grace that actually, it's, it's, it's a gift of grace that brings us into surrender. And it's staying in tune to this grace that allows us to continue in surrender and allow a furthering and a deepening of the sanctification to take place in our lives. All right, so I'm just going to tell a story to kind of bring you into what I mean, right? I shared a little bit. I had I had my moment. It was December of 2011. was really like my death of self moment. It was powerful. It uh, wasn't really fun. It was painful. I emerged. Life was different. I was different. I could tell. And I went from there, and I had uh, really like... Like a just one of those seasons of so much blessing in my life. And it was like it was like God just took the dump truck and just started blessing me. Like so much promise. I'd been in this wilderness for years, and all of a sudden it was promises and prophetic words. And I was in, you know, Africa with Iris Ministries. I had so much favor with Heidi and Roland Baker and get prophesied over and flown on their plane to preach in these islands and preach at their churches. And I was like, man it was all worth it, you know, like, I've arrived, I'm ready, and then it ended, because I was only there three months, you know, it didn't process that it was ending, and it ended, and I thought I'd get back to America, it'd be the exact same, and the red carpet would get rolled, and I would just be continue on this victory march, I had been crucified with Christ, it wasn't me who lived, it was Christ who lived, and I was ready to go change the world, right, everybody, you ever felt like that before? It's a really awesome feeling, I, was, I wish I felt it more, it's like, you know, I got home, and like two weeks later, I was like, where did it go? <laughs> it's gone, right? So I'm searching for it. And, uh, yeah, within a couple months, I was, uh, you know, I, I was working at a church. Uh, I was preaching. I, I was so filled with promise. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it, it's hard. I, I share this sometimes because I don't think you guys get how uncomfortable it is. So, like, work on a sermon, you know, all week, and then you're preaching to six people. And two of them are on the worship team. <laughs> and one of them is me. <laughs> Three people. Like, I had, to, like, do I, do I preach the whole message? You know, like, <laughs> you just, there's, like, things you start going through your mind you never really want to go through your mind. You know, it's like. Five minutes after service supposed to start, my sweat is still going down the back. Like, oh my gosh, there's nobody else. Ha, ha, week after week, you know, like this wasn't just a one-time thing. It was like, this is, I'm wasting my life. This isn't helping anybody. What am I doing? Like, you know, seriously, and it goes from like whatever, and then I'm uh, getting a lot of criticism. All of a sudden, I start having some really difficult relational dynamics, and I'm like, I made a mistake. I heard wrong. I need to go back to Africa. I started sending emails back to Africa. Hey, can I come back like, and preach to more than six people? That's all I'm asking for, right? And trying to figure out how do I get out of this circumstance and get to a new one. And uh, three months in, I was, like, depressed. I went from feeling like I was going to change the world to just depressed and hurting, and I was offended and getting criticism, and I was, there was a meeting I would have fairly frequently that was always a painful meeting, and I just felt, just, what is going on, Lord? And uh, the Lord uh, met me. I remember I was on an airplane flying to San Diego. It was for my mom's 50th birthday. Uh, we were meeting in San Diego, and uh, I was like very much actively seeking where I had heard wrong and how to hear right to get to the you know the greener pastures. And the Lord met me, and we had a conversation that forever changed uh, my paradigm. And he said, hey, Jordan, what's your joy in life? And I knew he was, like, trying to get at something, so I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, is your joy in life looking like Jesus? And I, like, sat on it, and I was like, that's it's really good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. Like, that that would be what I would say. Like, my joy in life, I want to look like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus so that I can be intimate with Jesus. Like, yes, that—that's—that that is the joy. That's the pursuit of my life, Lord. And then God said, so then why are you so miserable? And then he kept speaking, and he said, You've been praying for five months for me to get you out of these circumstances and to get you into a better one. He said, haven't you thought to consider that I've spent a lot of time to get you into these circumstances and that these circumstances are designed by me and you have grace that is abundant on every single aspect of it to transform you and change you into the image of Jesus. I'm forging his character in you. And I was just like jaw dropping like, "Uh uh-oh. And I realized in that moment that I was praying all these prayers of spiritual escape when what God was, he had actually brought me to this place to do this deep work, to actually change me, right, to progressively sanctify me, to forge the character of Jesus in my life. And as I continued reflecting upon his words in this conversation, I just began to recognize the fragility of my faith in so many ways and really the passivity that I had as it pertained to my relationship with life. I realized that uh, I was letting life happen to me and, and rather than me happening to life. And I began to recognize as because the Lord said, I said, Okay, so if this were to be your voice, what are you trying to cultivate in me? And the Lord said, I'm trying to make you patient. And I said, crap. Could we at least start with, like, joy, you know, or something, something a little better? You know, because the goal of God, I'm convinced, right? We, we spend a lot of time stressing out, like, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will? I'm just trying to figure out what is his will. What's his will? What's his will? Well, his will, I'll tell you, his will is to make you look like Jesus, Right? His will is to form you and fashion you so that you become agape love. Right? And if any of you remember, you know, how, many, how many fruit of the Spirit are there? No, there's not nine. Remember, remember Rob McCorkle? He, I actually like this. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the other eight are actually attributes of love. And I, I actually think that's more prone to the original language. So the, the fruit, plural, of the Spirit is love. And what is love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All right? So that is what love looks like. Right? That is who Jesus is. And God's will for your life for my life is to make me look like that. Right? In all the manifold beautiful nature of what love is, that God is love. He wants us to look like him. And And God began revealing to me, yeah, see, you're really disturbed about this relationship and you don't like this criticism and you don't like that there's only six people and you don't like this and you don't like that and you don't like that. He said, but then he started just weaving it together and he said, but I'm fashioning all of this to form love in you. I'm trying to make you patient because love's patient. And nothing changed for probably three to six months Nothing changed in my circumstances other than one thing. The Lord said, you can focus on how miserable you are and how much you don't like all the negativity, the things that aren't consistent, right? How, how your inability to reconcile my promises with, with your reality, you can, you can whine all you want, said, or you can focus the reality that I have deposited my grace in all of it to actually change you. I switched my perspective and I got super happy, like really happy. Like, like I'm not, jo- nothing changed, but I just got happy. Because I would go to the same exact circumstances and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're, you're making me patient. Thank you, God. Like, I'm not joking, I was so stoked because what's your joy in life, Jordan? Is it to become like Jesus? If it is, then how could you not be happy? Because even in the difficult things of your life, yeah, you might not, it might not be like a circumstantial happy, like I'm happy about what's happening here, but it was like a deeper happy, like a deep joy, like, oh my gosh, I'm getting changed into the image of Jesus. Right? Victor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he, he confronts the, the philosophy of Sigmund Freud, who said that man's chief desire is pleasure. Viktor Frankl argues, who's an Auschwitz Holocaust survivor, he argues that man's chief pursuit is actually purpose. Right? If we can find the purpose to our suffering, the suffering actually diminishes our greatly. Right? If we can see the purpose of the disturbances of our life, it's very easy to walk through them. Right? For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He saw the purpose to his pain, so he endured it with joy. Right? Because his joy was to just serve the Father, to please the Father. When we start seeing from heaven's perspective, yes, we are all experiencing disturbances. You are, I am. We have relationships right now in our lives that aren't going the way we think we should. We have things that are scary. We have things that are vulnerable. We have things that are great. We have all kinds of things going on because God has designed our life to be a, a living test that puts pressure and exposes things within us so that by his grace, he can continually sanctify us and renew us into the image of agape love and we can have so much joy in the process if we can be alive to his grace if we can see the purpose of what he's actually doing does that make sense so we have to be aware of what he is doing What is the grace on my life today? What is the grace? What's your promise on this relationship? On this situation? On this that's going on? And then we choose. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk this with an open heart and let you do a work in me. Right. This last year, uh, there was a situation I came to that was just a vulnerable one. Um, You know, just one of those times where you just have to take a risk. Am I gonna? Am I gonna step out uh, in this capacity? And I sat on it for a while and you know, I've been, you know, and in, 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 on a journey of letting the Lord progress me. And he spoke to me and he said, I know this makes you feel uncomfortable. I know that this is vulnerable for you. He said, but my promise to you is that I'm going to restore your soul. And I've put grace on this situation. I want you to engage with it because I'm going to restore your soul. That was his promise. About, uh, I don't even know, maybe a couple months walking into that journey, very, very painful. Got very, very painful. And I was reading back through my journals just recently and on the second day of processing in the midst of this pain, I was, I was actually, it was one of those moments I was proud of myself. On the second day, I said, this hurts like hell, but your promise is that you're going to restore my soul and I begin declaring to God telling him, I don't know how this doesn't seem good this doesn't feel good this doesn't look good but your promise your grace attached to this situation that I walked in faith is that you are going to restore my soul right and I've watched God do a work through 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 this situation. And that is one of dozens that I can point to that God has continued to bring me to threshold after threshold after threshold where even in the midst of the difficulties, because I was stepping out with promise and in partnership with the grace of God, it doesn't matter if it feels good or if it feels bad, God will use it to redeem our hearts, redeem our lives, to do a work and sanctify us, to form the image of Jesus in us. Does this make sense? All right, so I wanna break, there's a, there's an argument that is very deeply rooted from the church that says this: if something doesn't feel good, or if something is painful, that means God is disappointed, displeased, or unhappy with you. Right? We don't like disturbance. Like for some reason, we think if things make us feel really, really good, that means that means God is happy with me, and it's all we're chummy. Right? But if something bad is going on, what did I do wrong? We start looking: did I sin? Did I mess up? Am I is God punishing me? right? Does that relate? And and that is not necessarily true, right? There is conviction when we sin and all these things. Yes, God does discipline us, but, but there's a lot of times where things blow up and things are difficult, but that is not because God is displeased. That is because we live in a broken, hurting world that's full of pain. And if we think that 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 experiencing pain is a sign of god's displeasure then how are we ever going to be love i read i read a, a an argument or a, a quote by richard foster recently that said in in this generation in america god's heart is like an open wound because of the rejection and you know and the compromise within his church if pain is a sign of god's displeasure how will we ever love How will we ever embody agape? How will we ever be open and exposed to a dying world? Right? We have to recognize that that Graham Cook says it this way. There's no such thing as a good day or a bad day. There's just days of grace. And on some days, the grace of God allows you to enjoy what's taking place. But on other days, the grace of God is to allow you to endure what's taking place. But whether you are enjoying the day or enduring the day, it is simply a day of grace. There is no such thing as a good day or a bad day. Right? Ephesians 1 says that God lavishes His grace upon us. The word in the Greek would be an endless supply, an endless sourcing of this divine grace, this presence of God that is transformative and empowering and allows us to do the impossible. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That is the grace of God that we have an endless supply to whether it's a disturbance, whether it's, an, it's, an, it's a blessing of all blessings. The grace of God is abundant to you and it's abundant to me. Right? I began to recognize in this season that I was uh, in my past where God began to open my eyes and I was at all this conflict and I wanted to go to Africa. God said, hey Jordan, if Jesus was in this relationship, how would he do? He'd be great. He's Jesus. Yeah, if Jesus was in this situation, how would he do? He'd be great. If Jesus was in this situation, how would he do? He'd be great. If Jesus had this frustration, what would he do? He'd, probably, he'd be great. What's your point? Where does Jesus live? Oh, yeah. He lives in me. Oh, yeah. I thought <laughs> I was crucified. It's no longer Jordan who lives, but, oh, well, Jesus lives in me. I must be getting in Jesus' way. Right? Jesus died. He gave up his life on a cross so that he could live it. In your shoes, right? But it's 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 the self. It's the it's these earthly perspective. It's these mindsets. It's our own comfort. It's all these things that get challenged on the journey of progressive sanctification, right? We're consistently coming into rubs where God's saying, "You got to see this from my perspective." But to see it from my perspective means you got to like have a paradigm shift of your perspective, which paradigm shifts are uncomfortable. Right and and really, what it boils down—at least what it's boiled down to me on my journey—is this journey, the, this progressive sanctifying grace of God, completely exposes the victim mindset. You can't be a victim to your circumstances anymore. Oh, but if my boss is such a jerk and oh my sister, the way she talks to me, just oh, she's so, she's so self-righteous. Oh, and she is passive aggressive. Danny Silk, she's like that, like a chocolate-covered dragon. I, I don't want to be with them, right? Like we can find victim after victim after victim, like all these mindsets to make ourselves feel really bad for ourselves. Like, oh, if life was just better. If my pastors just were saw the grace on my life. If they, if, if my leaders, if 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 I just if. You know, if someone else would just give me a break, if, you know, if this wouldn't happen, if that wouldn't happen, like, it's just so dang easy to make excuses and victim and victim. But the truth is, if Jesus Christ was living in your life, he'd be doing great. Doesn't matter how hidden he was, wouldn't matter how tough work is, how great work is, what the home likes life, what the relationship, he would prosper in every situation. We don't read in the Gospels where it's like, Jesus just called it quits this day because the Pharisees were being really snitchy to him. You know, those lawyers were so rude, and he just got his feelings hurt, so he needed to take a week off. Right? Life did not happen to Jesus. Jesus happened to life. Love happens to the world. Right? And when we begin to take ownership and say, you know what, this situation's hard, this is hard, this isn't ideal, this isn't exactly what I had planned out for my life, which nobody really had it all planned out for their life. Life doesn't go the way that we hope it does. The ideals of what we can conjure up in our dreams never actually play out the way we think they do. They will be greater and better than what we can imagine, but they will be more real and grounded and difficult than we can imagine too. And I think any Anybody that's taken a seed and seen its flow will say that. This church has been a beautiful beyond what I could have imagined seen be created. But it has been messy and difficult and hard and costly and taxing in ways that I could never have imagined. Life is real. Life is hard. There are challenges day after day after day. But we have a God of abundant grace who lavishes an endless supply of this divine virtue and grace. That when we can just partner with it and say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore just form me and fashion me into love whatever it takes whatever the cost use this God I thank you God because my joy in life won't be found in my circumstances it will be found in becoming like you that is the purpose of my life that is the purpose of my suffering you will find the grace you need to endure that is the mindset of an overcomer Right? That is the mindset. That's how you actually rise above your circumstances. right? When you get to the point where you realize it's like, come hell or high water, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to be transformed into the image of love. What can stand against you then? Oh, yeah, that person might reject me. Yeah, they might. Oh, you might be misused. Yeah, you might. They might be taking a grant. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that what-ifs of life can happen. But God said, I have grace attached to you. I have grace. I have grace. I have grace. I have grace. All things to the good of those who love God. You become invincible to anything that the hell can throw at you. You are not invulnerable to pain. Pain is going to happen one way or another in this life. But God will redeem that pain and you will rise and you'll get stronger. You will become more godly. You will become more like Jesus. This is the amazing thing. This is the consequences. This is the reward of what takes place from making these decisions day after day after day and journeying down this road. This is the consequences. The first thing is, and I'm going to go in order of what I think is most significant. Uh, The first is that you grow in favor. Right? Another word for grace is, is favor, it's charis, it's the same word, charis grace, charis favor. That's how it's translated in the New Testament. I used to think favor was like a form of spiritual luck. Some people just pulled that lever and like in spiritual Vegas and they got 777. It's like, dang, <laughs> can I get some of that? Whatever Bill Johnson got, just give that to me, Lord. You know, Anybody ever thought that before? You're like, dang, man, some people just got some favor I was like hoping for it so I would just say oh okay Lord give me that yeah give me some of that give me some of that give me some of that give me some more favor hey give me some favor God just at least give me 12 people just give me some favor right I was just hoping for some favor God in the midst of this whole process said hey Jordan you've been asking for more favor but you're not even stewarding the favor I've given you I've given all this grace on this difficult relationship in this situation that makes you feel insecure. In this situation, I'm just lavishing grace to form you into the image of Jesus. You're just sitting here praying for more. (laughs) I was like, oh, so you mean i got to steward this? Yeah, I had to steward it, right? And as you steward it, this is the thing. I had all these prophetic words. God told me one day, he said, hey, write them all down. So I wrote down all my core, like this is who I am. This is what you said I'm going to do. This is what you said I'm going to do. Da 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 da, da. Then, then the Lord said, "Okay," He said, "What kind of person will do all those things?" I was like, you know, like a godly person. He's like, no, no, no. like what kind of person? And I went to the fruit of the spirit. I said, probably someone that looks like that. <laughs> He said, okay, well, like, write those out. So I, like, wrote this whole thing. Like, this is what it looks like to be a man of peace. This is what it looks like to be a man of gentleness. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. I wrote the whole thing out. God said, okay, you can't control or make happen any of these things I've said you're going to do. He said, but what you can control is how you respond to life and allowing me to form this fruit, this character within you. He said, you take care of what you can do. I'll take care of what I can do. I let go, I let go of what I couldn't control, I let go of the ministry, I literally was like, okay, I'm never going to preach to anybody, but I'm going to be patient, I might not have a pulpit at all, but I will be patient, and I was stoked on it, and literally, as I let the, I all of a sudden found, favor started growing on my life. This is the thing, right? Jesus says, there's all these prayers um, that, that, that were told in John in, in, in John's epistles, in John's gospel. You know, you pray anything according to my name, it will be given to you, right? And so many people are like, no, oh, that's not true. That's not really true. I tried it. It's not really true. Like, I swear, that's like one of the verses that like we have a hard time really putting our faith to it because we're like, yeah, it just sounds too good to be true. No, it's not. If you pray anything according to my name, it will be done for you. Name would be like nature. All right, the name of, of an individual in ancient Near Eastern culture. It's like saying out of my essence, from my character, out of my nature. If you pray according to my nature, it will be done for you. What happens as you walk the journey of progressive Sanctification. You're yielding in all the disturbances and all the difficulties. You're yielding to the grace of God and saying, though this is costing me, though this is difficult, transform me into love. Form me into love. Make me patient. Make me gentle. Make me kind. Make me generous. Make me self-controlled. Make me humble, God. Form me. He's forming his nature in you. He's forming his nature in you. Then all of a sudden, pray anything according to my nature becomes your second nature. You're so in tune with his nature, you're aware of what he's praying so you can pray. Your desires are becoming his desires. So there's, there's a synergy, there's a union between your heart and his in your prayer life, in your ministry, in your business, in your family, in your relationships. Favor begins to grow because you've stewarded it well. Right, that's like the first consequence. That's not the most significant. This is the most significant. This is, this is the reason, more than anything. Right, Paul says, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, the the seek the prophetic gifts and seek the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts of grace and these are amazing things. Right, but he says, when I was a child, I went away with the childish things. When I became a man. And then he says, faith, hope, and love, these are the things you want to abide. Pursue love. Pursue the gifts, but pursue love. Love is the pearl of great price for Paul. Right? And this is, this, is, this is my understanding, right? is that the gifts of the Spirit, right? these ministry gifts that give us fruitfulness in life, they're amazing. And they're to minister to the church, but they are temporal. They will be done away when we get to heaven one day. But what will abide forever is love. What will abide forever is the fruit of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit we minister to the church with. But the fruits of the Spirit is what we actually minister unto the heart of Jesus with. And we can come to Him face to face and say, Your life that you laid down, I've tended a garden in me. I've took these seeds of your heart, of your promises, of your life, and I've tended them. And I've nurtured them and I've fought for them and I've pruned it and I've allowed myself to become a garden of character, of purity, of holiness, of your nature, of your essence. So when I come to you, I don't come empty-handed. I come to you with a fruitful life to offer to you, to minister into your heart. Intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy is reciprocal intimacy is face to face intimacy is experienced when there's a place of of trustworthiness when there's a place of holiness purity, character that's when the Lord there's two important questions that we all have to answer and that is the first is do we trust God but I believe the greater one is does God trust you I want him to trust me so that he can disclose his heart to me So he can make himself exposed to me. You know, there's the verse where it says, But Jesus himself did not disclose himself to them because he knew what was in them. He loved them with an everlasting love. He laid down his life for those same people, but he couldn't disclose his heart to them because he didn't trust them. You walk this journey, you win the heart of God. I want the heart of God. That's the reward. It's a depth of intimacy that we're all craving, yearning, longing for. And we've been invited into it. Positional holiness, sanctification. There's a moment, there's a point, a crisis of a sanctification experience, which creates a posture as the grace of God ravishes us. But as we steward that posture, it grows and grows and permeates and saturates as we grow in union with God himself. That's how we stand blameless face to face. It's because we've allowed ourselves through all the circumstances of our life to be transformed. No more whining, no more complaining, no more prayers of escape, simply yielding to the leadership of Jesus and saying, make me love. My joy is to be love. My joy is to be like you. So show me God, your grace in every place, situation, relationship, in the life that you're authoring, Right? God doesn't cause all your circumstances, but he has allowed them. You just have to trust. I trust your leadership. I'm gonna let go of the things I can't control. I'm gonna let you change me and trust that as you change me, I will be the influence, the agent that changes my circumstances. So much fruit from that, so much reward, amen. So Lord, I thank you. Just thank you, God, for your grace. God, we thank you that it's your idea to make us look like Jesus. That holiness is not legalistic striving. It's a wholehearted yielding to the extravagant grace that you lavish upon us day after day. God, that you put us in Christ so that for the ages to come, you can show us that the riches of your grace expressed in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God, just mold us, fashion us, shape us into love, I pray. God, I pray that as we go out tonight, it won't be with an emotional high, Lord, but it will be with a mindset rooted within us, God, that we are more than conquerors because you love us and you lavish grace on us in all circumstances of our life. God, I pray for those that have been in victim states of thinking that you will expose and break that mindset right now, God, and you will just release a conquering, victorious mindset—the mindset of the of Jesus Christ. And I just pray, God, that even those that have had um, in the workplace, I just feel like some of you have had—it's been a grind. There's frustrating, just like a frustrating, uh, just frustrated with work. And I just feel like uh, I just see like 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 180 shifts where all of a sudden the things that have been frustrating in the marketplace are going to be like super exciting because you're going to recognize that there's purpose to the difficulty. There's purpose to the rub and the, and the, and the grind. He's forming you. He's fashioning you into love. Some of you have relational dynamics right now uh, in your life that are just very difficult for you. And I just feel like gods is shifting. He's shifting your mindset tonight. And there's gonna be so much grace and joy where there has been no joy. Not because the relationship's changing, but because you're recognizing that God is using it to play a purpose. God, I thank you, Lord, that we are your church, God, and we are to live above our circumstances, not beneath them. God, that we are victorious, God, and we are not victims. And I thank you, God, that you've invited us in this beautiful, beautiful journey of prospering as Jesus would prosper in all the circumstances of our life. So God, make us more aware of your grace. Make us more aware of how you're working, how you are moving in our lives, God, so that we can become like Jesus, Lord, that your work of sanctifying us into his image can be just so mature and beautiful and rich and and materialized, God. We wanna go from potential to manifestation. God, a holy people, intimate with you, full of favor, God, that can just uh, express love to the world. So we bless you. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen thanks for listening to the river house podcast for more information visit riverhouseministries.com